It was on July 20th of 1969 that more than 600 million people all over the globe turned their attention to their televisions to see something that had never happened in all of history before. NASA had been working on this project for quite some time, and it was, it was about to happen. And whether it happened well, whether everything went according to plan, or if it didn't go according to plan, it was all going to happen in front of a live audience with the world watching. But if everything went well, on July 20th, a human, a man, was going to walk on the moon. As excited as NASA was at the accomplishment, at, at what they had been working on, in putting the, the rocket into space, they, they knew that no one would believe them if there wasn't any evidence, right? If all of a sudden people show up in Florida and, and they see a rocket blast off and then some smoke going up into the sky and four days later there's some news reports that say some guys may have walked on the moon, nobody would really believe it at that point. Right? People wouldn't, wouldn't trust NASA anymore if they, just had, if they just had reports. But see, they were smart about this. Videotape and live broadcasts, those were so important to letting people know for sure, letting people see with their own eyes exactly what would happen. And then there, were, there was actually more than one person who walked on the moon that, that day. Right? So Buzz Aldrin would be a witness to Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong would be a witness to Buzz Aldrin. They're the only two people there, but there is two people there on the moon. See, we live in a world of doubters, right? It's pretty common to come across somebody who doubts. Honestly, because people lie, right? We don't believe anything in our culture unless there's a witness who can back up somebody's story. There is, I'll tell you, this is the truth, there is a national hole-in-one database. You can go online and you can find it. The national hole-in-one database has 72,752 registered hole-in-ones that have happened at golf courses all over the world over the last 15 or 20 years. And one of the rules, in order to have your hole-in-one registered in the database, is you have to present a very reliable witness that is going to vouch for this amazing feat on the golf course that you have performed. You have to have a witness. 2,000 years ago, as Jesus made his claim of being God on earth to the religious leaders, to the Pharisees at that time, as they were in Jerusalem, he knew that without a witness, his claims were going to be invalidated. Nobody would believe him. As a matter of fact, there are people today who still won't believe the claims of Jesus and who he says he is. That indeed he is the Messiah. People will claim that, that they need proof. There are people who will say, you know what, if, if I saw Jesus with my own eyes, or if I knew somebody, if I just knew somebody who would see Jesus and can see, if I just had proof of some sort, then I would believe. But yet 99% of Americans believe that on a day in 1912, the Titanic sunk to the bottom of the ocean, yet no one today in America was there to see it. 
There's people in history whose names we know of that, that we fully trust existed. Joan of Arc, maybe Christopher Columbus and, and Leif Erikson and George Washington, but nobody knows a single one of those figures in history. But we're able to read about them, right? Is there written evidence that Christopher Columbus actually lived? Sure, there's evidence. Is there evidence that, that he would have sailed three ships from Europe and landed on what would have been called America at one point? Sure, there's evidence of that, right? Not too many people question that in, in history because there were witnesses, because there is proof that has been handed down. But yet day after day, people will reject the salvation that is offered by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because they state that they don't have proof or that nobody really knows what happened. <clears throat> One of the many things that you'll learn to love about Jesus as you read his story through the Gospels and, 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 and through the biblical account of his ministry is that, that Jesus answers our objections before we actually even object. He gives us witnesses knowing that we're going to, knowing that somebody is going to object to his ministry. He has already given us the proofs that people are asking for. And he didn't bring just a couple of witnesses. He didn't bring a couple of sketchy characters that would just say whatever he wants them to say. No, no, he brought out some of the biggest and the most worthy possible witnesses. It's as if he's in a courtroom. And as a defense attorney, he is presenting his list of witnesses to the prosecutors. In this case, it would have been the Pharisees. And he says, these are the witnesses that I am planning to call that are going to testify about me being the Messiah. It's so important that these witnesses come forward because in the culture that Jesus lived in, it was absolutely necessary to have witnesses. Anything that was to be proven had to have been proven by more than one person. In Deuteronomy, in chapter 17, God the Father gave the instructions to Moses as a rule to the Israelites, and he says this in Deuteronomy 17, 6, Never put a person to death on the testimony of only one witness. There must always be two or three witnesses. In Deuteronomy 19, verse 15, it says, You must not convict anyone of a crime on the testimony of only one witness. The facts of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. With that, I'd like you to open your Bibles this morning to the fifth chapter of the book of John as we are going to be reading verses 31 through 47 this morning, continuing in our sermon series, but in a message that I have titled, The Witness List. For the last few weeks, we have seen Jesus in his ministry, and, and a few weeks ago, we saw him heal a man who could not walk as this man laid out by a pool, but he was healed on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees came to Jesus, and, and they questioned him as to why he was healing on the Sabbath and under what authority he was healing on the Sabbath, because that's not a work day. And healing is against the law. You cannot do that on the Sabbath. And Jesus told them, and the Pharisees correctly understood, that Jesus was saying that he is, in essence, he's the same essence as the Father in heaven. Thus, as the Father works on the Sabbath, Jesus will work on the Sabbath. And that brings us to our message this morning, where Jesus is offering support for his claim. We saw last week that, that Jesus stepped up and he said, I and the Father 
are one. But see, to say that without any witnesses really does nothing for your testimony. You have to have witnesses. Today, Jesus brings his witnesses to the stand. We come to John chapter 5, verse number 31. Jesus says this, If I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. He knows this. It's important. Let's follow along as Jesus calls his first witness to the stand in John chapter 5, verse number 32. Jesus says this to the Pharisees, But somebody else is testifying about me, and I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist, and his testimony about me was true. Of course, I have no need for human witnesses, but I say these things so that you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp, and you were excited for a while about his message. The defense, Jesus calls John the Baptist to the stand as a witness for him. That leads us to point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you just joining us on the left-hand side of your bulletin, you'll find some fill-in-the-blanks, and I'm going to give you those blanks right up here, and there's, there's pins in the back if, if you need one. Point number one in your notes this morning, the Messiahship of Jesus was observed by people. The Messiahship of Jesus was observed by people. The Pharisees, they knew who John the Baptist was. They had sent congregations of men from the church, scribes and, and leaders of the church at one point, had sent them out to the river where John was baptizing. And they said, you know, are, are you the Messiah that we've been waiting for? And John says, no. He says, I'm not the Messiah. And John says, but I'm the one that Isaiah prophesied about. When, when an Isaiah says, I am the voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord is coming. John the Baptist was placed on earth to be a herald for the king. He was to come and announce to the world that the king is coming, that the Lord Jesus is here. In those days when a king would go into a new city, Maybe he would be in a royal parade, and, and he would be on this traveling throne. And you would have people in the front of the parade, maybe some men of war up in the front, and you would have some men carrying flags of their, the nation in the front of the procession. And maybe you would have some men who were on trumpets, making loud noises as the king would come into town. And there would be a man at the very front of this procession whose job was called a herald. To be a herald, herald simply means to announce, okay? I want you to think of the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, right? You've heard that one, right? Literally what it means is, listen, the angels are making a musical announcement. They're announcing something. To be a herald is to be one who announces. And a herald would shout very loudly in front of the procession. He would say, hear ye, hear ye, the king is coming, make way for your king. That would be the job of the herald. That was the job of John the Baptist, was to let everyone know that the Messiah was coming. John the Baptist was the herald for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He was the, the front runner for the Messiah. John the Baptist knew that he was the front runner for Jesus, for the front runner for the Messiah, and he knew at one point, he, is known, he knows for sure that Jesus is the Messiah. That is John's job and responsibility. 
at the time that Jesus came to be baptized by John, the importance of who Jesus was as the Messiah was such a force in the heart of the baptizer that John didn't even want to baptize Jesus that day. Watch what happens in Matthew chapter 3, verse number 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. See, John the Baptist is a witness to Jesus and his Messiahship, but John isn't the only person to see Jesus. He wasn't the only person who could attest to the majesty of our Lord. Thousands of people witnessed Jesus throughout his ministry. All four of the Gospels report that Jesus fed 5,000 men at one point, plus women and children. And then again, a little while later, Jesus fed another 4,000 men, plus women and children. That would have been well over 15,000 people that Jesus would have fed at those two occurrences. Nearly 600 people saw him between the cross and his ascension into heaven. There's thousands of people that, that see Jesus, people who met Jesus, and although not all of them believed in him as the Messiah, many were touched with the thought that he actually could be the Messiah. Many of them would come to know him personally. Many of them would, would follow him. I just want you to think about that. How many people through his ministry saw Jesus? People just like you and me actually saw Jesus. They followed him. When he stopped to preach, they stopped to listen. And in all of the ancient writings at the time, if we look back through the ancient writings that we can find, there are no recordings of anyone that walked around with Jesus that says he was an absolute fraud. Nobody's writing that down. Nobody's saying that. After his death, many of these people actually continued to follow his apostles because they knew that Jesus is the Messiah and we need to tell other people about him. The first witness that Jesus gave to the Pharisees that day was John the Baptist. And today, the witness that Jesus lives for, leaves for us could be some of these other people that saw Jesus. Maybe it's, maybe it's one of the mothers of kids who was there. Maybe is, is one of those 5,000 people. Maybe she's there on the hillside when, when Jesus is, is taking He's taking these two fish and these three loaves of bread. If she's a mom with a couple of teenagers, she knows, you know what? My kids could eat that by themselves. But then to think, wow, look what Jesus just did. He fed all of these people with fish and bread. Can those people be a witness to us? People who actually saw him? Absolutely they can, right? If we're going to believe anyone's testimony, we could believe people in the Bible who saw Jesus. We may not be able to relate to the herald of a king, but we might be able to relate to the mother of three teenagers, right? Who may have been there. People who could have been there who were part of this miracle that, that Jesus performed. And Jesus not only called to the stand those who saw him, but he also calls next he calls his works 
to the stand. He actually is going to put his miracles up on the witness stand. Watch this as we continue the witness list in John chapter 5, verse 36. He says, But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that he sent me. Point number two in your notes this morning, the Messiahship of Jesus is shown through his actions. The Messiahship of Jesus is shown through his actions. The word miracle, if we're going to look it up in a dictionary, it says this, a surprising and welcome event that is not explainable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. That's a miracle. Jesus was performing miracles on a regular basis throughout his miracle. This time, Jesus, he's not putting a person on the stand, but he's calling his actions under oath. And he's calling his actions to go up on the stand, and he's telling the Pharisees that these works that he is accomplishing are proof that he is equal to God. None of the Pharisees can do these works. None of the people are following the Pharisees around and any of the religious leaders around for healing. And again, Jesus is using the term, my father, which we saw last week when he says, my father, that's putting him on the, the equal footing with God the Father, right? He's saying that I am on the same level with God in heaven. It's common knowledge that at this point in the ministry of our Lord that he is performing miraculous acts. And I want you to see what the Apostle John writes to us in John chapter 20 about that. Watch this. He says, The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs and additions to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. See how powerful that is? Why is Jesus doing the miracles? So that you and I will believe. Why are they being recorded? So that you and I will read and we can see and we can believe. No one else did the miracles that Jesus did. Oh, some people have tried through time, but God the Father assigned these works to the Son so that we would know that He is who He says He is. No one else is doing these miracles. There's one Sunday morning in a church service, a preacher preacher got up and said, anyone who has particular needs, who wants to be prayed over, just come forward and come to the front to the altar. And during the final song, a man got up and he walked forward to the pastor and the pastor said, well, what would you like me to pray about for you? And this gentleman, he says, pastor, I, I really need you to, I really need prayer for help for my hearing. And so the, the pastor put his finger on the man's ear and, and, and a hand on his head and he, and, and he prayed over him and the entire congregation became very involved in this prayer and, and everyone was joined in with enthusiasm. And after a few minutes, this, this pastor took his hands off of the man and, and he stepped back and he said, Son, how is your hearing now? And the man answered him and said, Pastor, I don't know. He says, my hearing is actually Tuesday downtown at the courthouse. He says, that's the hearing that I really need your prayer for. See, there's, there's people who will pray, and there's people who will, who will try and do the miracles of Jesus, 
But see, Christ is the only one that is doing these miracles that are assigned to him from God the Father. I want you to see in John chapter 3, verse number 1, even the Pharisees themselves would have seen these. John 3, verse 1 says this, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Nicodemus, who's a Pharisee, and he knows who Jesus is because of the works that our Lord is doing. There was a time when John the Baptist was in jail, and John had heard of the miracles of Jesus. He had heard what Jesus was doing, and John sent some of his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you actually, are you really the Messiah, or should we be waiting for somebody else? We hear about what you're doing. And Jesus says this. John responds in Matthew chapter 11. And John says this. Go back and tell John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. I wonder what Jesus would say if we sent people to him to ask, are you really the Messiah? What would he be telling us? I bet he might tell us to remember what we have seen and to remember what we have heard. He might tell you to remember that, that you've seen people in your life walk through those hard moments in their life and just those hard times and they've come through to give glory to God. And maybe that's something that you've done too, right? Maybe there's been that season in your life that you felt that you were so alone and no one was there, but God was still there every single moment and you realize that and you see that Jesus never left. Maybe he would tell you that, that you've heard people say, God bless you at times when maybe you've handed a handful of change outside your window to somebody on the street corner and, and you think, why, am I, why was I the one that was a blessing to somebody else today? Would Jesus remind you of these actions that he's done in your life? He very well might, right? Would he say, you've seen my actions in your own life because I've been with you every step of the way. I've never left your side. Would, would he say, even in those moments when you wanted nothing to do with me, I've wanted everything to do with you. I haven't left. I've always been there. I bet Jesus would say, you want to witness to the fact that I'm the Messiah? Look at the actions. Look at my actions, even in your own life. Look at my actions in the lives of those who are around you. There's your proof. Then there's people on this earth who walked with Jesus. Not only can those people who were there those days attest that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and that he's, he's equal to, to God the Father in majesty and his actions show that, that Christ is our Messiah. Even more than that, he calls now his third witness to the stand, probably his most significant. He calls in John chapter 5, verse number 37. Jesus says this, And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen his face, and you do not have his message in your heart because you do not believe me. 
that he, that he is the one who sent me to you. See, Jesus just called God Almighty, his own Father, to the stand. That's the third point in your notes this morning. The Messiahship of Jesus is affirmed by the Father. It's affirmed by God. Jesus calls his own heavenly Father to be a witness. Somebody who all of the Jews and all of the Pharisees at the time trust and believe and have such a deep faith in when, when the Jews come to the temple, they're coming to worship God the Father. When they bring sacrifices, they're bringing sacrifices to the same one who Jesus is calling as a witness right now. Everything that the Jews do in their life and in their faith and in their religion is focused on God the Father. And that's who Jesus is saying, he testifies about me. God the Father, my next witness is here. I am bringing up him to the stand because he is going to be a witness to my character. He is going to be a witness to my abilities. He's going to be a witness to me as his son. He's going to get up on the stand and say that I am who I say I am. Jesus says in John chapter 8, Verse number 14, he says this. Jesus told them, these claims are valid, even though I make them about myself, for I know where I came from and I know where I'm going, but you don't know this about me. Verse 17, he says this. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness and my father who sent me is the other. Jesus is calling his own father. He's calling God in heaven to testify on his behalf. If Jesus is asking the Pharisees to believe God, can't he ask us to believe God? As to the Messiahship of, of Jesus? See, even in our times, when, when some in our world struggle to believe in Jesus, there are still those who are going to use terms in our, in our modern language like, as God is my witness. Believe in Jesus or not, people are going to say that, right? Maybe somebody says something like, oh, I feel like I died and went to heaven. It just explains you. Yeah, you had a really great day, right? Maybe somebody said, oh, for heaven's sake. Right? It's so much part of our vernacular. People might, might look at our money and it says, in God we trust. Maybe people say that somebody is going to meet their maker, Right? We have all of these sayings that, that, that focus on God. We, we say there is a belief in God in, in our nation. There, but people will still say, I struggle with my belief in what the Bible says. But Jesus is saying, if you believe God, if, if you know God, you know me. He's testifying about me. He's the one that I'm bringing to the stand. He says, for you and I... You and I, we, we can believe in God, and that's great. But knowing who Jesus is, that's our salvation. That's what saves our soul, souls, is our knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. We have this deep belief that there is a God. Jesus is telling us to believe the testimony of God the Father that God, the Father, is claiming Jesus as his, as his Son. Finally, Jesus is going to call his next witness and a very powerful witness to the stand. And if you think that God the Father was a huge witness, 
as a heavy hitter, Jesus pulls out all the big guns here for his final witness. It's as if he was saving the one person in all of history that the Jews honored more than any other person to be the last witness. Come back with me to John chapter 5, where in verse number 39, Jesus says this, You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Verse 45, yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? See, the defense has just called to the stand not only Moses, but the entire Scripture, the entire Old Testament, as it would have been at that time. Point number four in your notes, the Messiahship of Jesus is the point of all Scripture. That's the point. That's why we have the Bible in its entirety. God has no time to write just a bunch of nonsense and pass a book down through generations to get to you and I for leisure reading. Everything he wrote is about Jesus. Everything that we read points to Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. Everything that Moses has written points to me. If you're going to believe Moses, believe what he's saying about me. There's no scripture that God preserved for us that isn't pointing to Jesus. When Jesus called Moses to the stand, he called one of the most important figures in all of Jewish history. Moses was the one that was on Mount Sinai, is the one that, that, that walked down with the Ten Commandments. And these Ten Commandments are rules that the Pharisees turned into this, this law. It's this massive amount of structure and rules that they decided to live under. There's a young man, 10 years old, named Joshua out of South Pasadena. He once wrote a letter to his pastor. It said, Dear Pastor, my father says that I should learn the Ten Commandments, but I don't think I want to because we already have enough rules in my house. Just... Ten more rules, doesn't want to learn them. Jesus did not simply give a list of witnesses to the Pharisees to prove to him that he was the Messiah. He also gave this list of witnesses to us to prove that he is the Messiah. I hear people all the time, and you might hear people sometimes say it too, that I just wish that God would show me a sign. I just wish... I wish I could see something and then I could believe in him. I think we've seen today, and I'll tell you again, God has shown you a sign. He's shown all of us a sign. He gave a sign to the entire world, and we have that story. We have the story of that sign written down all through the inspired word of God, passed down through generations to get into your hands and to get into my hands so that every person has an opportunity to know exactly who Jesus is. It's not as if these stories just came to us all of a sudden out of nowhere. They're witnesses. There are people who wrote this down. There's people who saw there's people who go back through history who spoke about Jesus long before he was born. 
You want to know something that's amazing? God showers us with the signs of his majesty every single day. We want signs, but they're there. Would it be fair to say sometimes God shows us signs and we walk right by them? We walk right by and we don't even notice them sometimes, right? But they're right there. How often does God show us the signs of his beauty in a sunrise? How often does he show us his beauty in a, in a sunset or, or maybe just a, a, beautiful, a beautiful blank canvas of nature that only he could paint? Maybe God shows us the proof of his grace through a friend who just calls to listen, right? Maybe God shows us, and he shows us examples of his forgiveness when somebody in our life who we've wronged helps mend those fences that we've torn down, right? He shows us proof of his sovereignty while after every sprinkle of rain, he shines in the sky his rainbow. He can show proof of his love to us as, as we sit in our, in our loneliness sometimes and we feel everyone has deserted us and, and God is still there. He shows us proof of his, of his power when he brings home a prodigal son or daughter that, that we've been praying for for years and, and we finally see them come to church or we finally see them just listen to the words of God in their life. So only, that's the power that only Christ has. He shows us his tenacity when we remember that our mother or our father or aunt and uncle never stopped praying for us. And look, we're here listening to the word of God because somebody else wouldn't quit, just like God won't quit. You want proof that Jesus Christ is your Messiah? Just look around. I want you to just look around this room. Look at this room. Look at us, a group of sinners and misfits, right? I mean, you look at us. Are we not proof that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior? Look at us. If he's saved souls like ours, that's powerful, isn't it? Isn't that just a, just a deep power? My life is proof that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Your life, if you're a believer here today, is absolute proof that Jesus is the Messiah, that He is Lord and Savior. We don't, we don't get to heaven on our own. We don't get to a, a place of being able to connect with God on our own. We are too weak for that. But Jesus continues to hold out his hand. Even in those times when we've been walking the other direction, he still has his hand out for us. And for that, we can be eternally grateful and eternally thankful that he never turns his back on us. That's the power of our Messiah. Say, if you're here this morning, and if you're still, if you're still at that point where you're saying, I'm not quite sure that I'm struggling with this faith. I'm struggling with this proof. I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment, and I want to pray with you. I'd like you to come forward, and I want to talk with you because 
There's so many proofs of Jesus Christ being our Messiah throughout the Bible. Jesus says, I, I am the only way. He has, he has an exclusive claim in John 14, 6 that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father, what? Except through me. If He is the only way to the Father, and if He is our Messiah, He's the one we need to be clinging to, right? As we leave today, one of my hopes and prayers is that everyone here in this room is walking away knowing 100% that you're going to be walking down the streets of gold with Jesus someday. 100% in your heart, you know exactly where you are going to be. There is no doubt in your mind that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and your Messiah. If you don't know that 100%, I want to pray with you in a moment. Because everyone in this room wants to spend eternity with everyone in this room. As a matter of fact, we want to spend eternity with everyone who's not in this room. There's no one in this town, in this state, or on this planet that we don't want to spend eternity with. Our job as a church, you see it in our, in our logo, is reaching Paris from within Paris. There are so many people here in our city who need to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You know how many? There's only about 5% of people in this city that claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. There's only over 70,000 people in our city that we need to reach. That is our job to reach them. And the wonderful thing about our Lord and Savior is He has given proof of who He is. And it's our job to take this proof out to others in our city and show them exactly who Jesus is. Let's pray.